and I had somebody show me how to do it. It's kind of complicated. Anyway, welcome everybody. It's Mary Lynn from Hard at Work, and uh, this is a podcast about creating an impactful legacy for yourself and your, for your business. And uh, I'm Mary Lynn Harris, uh, your host of this call today. And I have with me David Shaw. I think I'm pronouncing that right. And uh, so welcome, David. Thank you so much. It's a pleasure to be here. Yeah, so we've had a con pre-conversation, so everything went well. So I told him he, he could come on the call with me. <laughs> yeah, now we're out of things to talk about, though. Sorry. <laughs> Become the wrong show for that. <laughs> so David, tell us a little bit about yourself and how you got started doing what you're doing now. Sure. So first of all, David Shar. it's a little less fancy than Mary Lynn gave uh, the title Mary Lynn gave me is Shar with the hard R, although I okay. like the Shaw, like I like that. Yeah. Sounds more royal. It's yeah, <laughs> smoother, yeah. not so sharp. <laughs> <laughs> so I am, I am a um, consultant, speaker, trainer. Um, but what that means is uh, through my organization, Illuminate Performance Management Consultants or Illuminate PMC, um, what I do is I help organizations uh, build burnout proof cultures. Mm -hmm. um, and I also help them build meaningful work, which is an, an integral part to all of that. Um, but notice I say I help organizations build meaningful uh, or burnout proof cultures. Um, I think there's an overemphasis with burnout on resilience. Right. Um, and we can definitely get into that. But, uh, but uh, my, my approach um, is from the culture. It's changing the culture, impacting the culture to build um, the organization or rebuild the organization um, in a way um, that people are not burning out, that people look forward to coming to work um, every Monday. Right. Um, the way I got there was this through this really twisted path, starting with ice cream in the inner city, uh, <laughs> um, running, running a small ice cream parlor in Baltimore City um, and employing a lot of underprivileged uh, kids and young adults. Mm -hmm. um, who taught me everything I know about leadership and about work. Um, and since then, I've been, I've been uh, building on, on what they taught me um, mm -hmm. you know, through academia. And, and um, uh, I have my master's in industrial organizational psychology, which is a really fancy way of saying uh, the psychology of work. Basically, if you're um, uh, HR director and your psychologist had a baby, I would be that baby, uh, <laughs> that big bald baby. Uh, and, uh, and I'm currently, um, uh, work on my dissertation, uh, in business psychology, uh, specifically studying, uh, meaningful work and burnout. Okay, cool. Cool. Like you say, we all come to our per place right now from a long windy road. It's kind of funny because people just say success or growth is straight line. Uh-uh. It's always a windy <laughs> road. <laughs> so anyway, so what, what do you, what have you learned about burnout and resilience? Yeah. So what I would say is um, what my first experience is as a business owner. So it's mm -hmm. a small ice cream franchise. The franchise is pretty big. This was a small ice cream parlor in Baltimore City. Mm -hmm. um, my crew came from some of the roughest streets in the country, if not the world. Mm -hmm. uh, if you've ever seen The Wire, you've seen some of their back alleys. We had, uh, I had one employee who lived right in a house where the alleyway was 
um, a crime scene on The Wire. So, um, which is an HBO show, an old HBO show that, that really shows the grittiness of, of uh, some neighborhoods of Baltimore. Mm -hmm. um, so this was culture shock for me. Um, but I had these, these uh, young adults who were making minimum wage, which at the time must not have been much over $6 an hour, if even that, right? right. Scooping ice cream. Mm -hmm. um, and somehow they were so engaged in their work. They would show up on days when they weren't even scheduled to show up mm -hmm. uh, because they wanted to be there. And they'd, and they'd um, you know, hang out in the back until a line of customers would come and then they'd jump up there because they couldn't stand seeing a line or seeing their coworkers you know, behind on the line or seeing customers waiting. And I'd have to shoo them away because they weren't on the payroll that day. <laughs> um, so they were, they were super engaged. And one day, um, a young lady that worked for me showed up to work. Um, and she was typically very chipper, very up, uh, used to love entertaining the customers any way she could. And she seemed very down this day. So I went over to her and I said, what's going on? Um, what, like, why are you so down? And she turned to me and I saw literally tears were running down her cheeks. Mm -hmm. And I asked her what was going on. Uh, she told me that her boyfriend, who happened to be in a local gang at the mm -hmm. time, um, he had been shot multiple times and left for dead. And he was literally flown to shock trauma, the special unit, um, and things didn't look good. Mm -hmm. So I tried shooing her out of the store. I'm like, why did you come to serve yeah. ice cream on a day like this? Like yeah. some things are bigger than ice cream. Not much, but this I would say is <laughs> So, uh, but she refused to leave and I knew that money was tight. So I offered to pay her for the day. I yeah. offered to personally cover her shift and she refused to leave. And she pushed back at me and said, no, I need to be here. I can only be here. This is my happy place. Oh, okay. And I love to say Mark Twain had this quote. Um, the two most important days of your life are the day you are born and the day you find out why. And mm. that was that second day for me. That was the day when I learned um, everything, everything twisted around on me, what I thought was work, right. uh, what I thought leadership was. Um, it was like a load of bricks falling on my shoulder as I suddenly felt the responsibility on my shoulders that I had right. accidentally created this environment. Right. Um, but suddenly now I knew that that was my responsibility going forward. Mm -hmm. And why did I have so many friends who were successful doctors and lawyers and accountants and real estate agents, et cetera, who dreaded going to work um, on Monday morning. And here are these uh, minimum wage hourly workers who mm -hmm. were showing up even when they weren't on the payroll. So um, that, you know, that's when I started reverse engineering and sort of Googling at first and then going back to school and, and pursuing advanced degrees to, to really like sort of go through all this and try to figure out what what is so different between these kids and the kids like them right. um you know other kids in 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 uh the service area that that lasts like maybe a couple weeks before they they quit or walk off the job um and what what so why are they so engaged when other people are so burnt out when other people's jobs seem much more meaningful mm -hmm. well i don't think you need a degree for that one but Anyway, <laughs> yeah, you know, it's, it's like, uh, you know, I used to be bullied a lot at, when I was younger and I'd lie in bed and say, why do people have to be so mean and bully? And I was going to be a psychologist when I grew up. Well, it never happened. But anyway, um, you know, why do they do that? Well, 
you just go talk to them. Why do you do that? You know? Right. And um, it's amazing. Some of the, you never really get a straight answer from them. Why? Yeah. But years later, they would call me up and say, Hey, remember me? I'm like, no, am I supposed to? Well, <laughs> I, I used to bully you a lot in school. And they're like, okay, so what do you want? <laughs> like I, I don't... <laughs> well, thanks for calling. <laughs> yeah, thanks for calling. But, you know, and it was sort of like, oh, well, please forgive me. And I'm going, oh, there must be a 12-step program or something. <laughs> <laughs> you know, yeah. but I guess they realized, you know, maybe they have got kids or something and, and their kids are getting bullied and they look at their own life. Okay, where's this coming from? Right. Yeah, yeah. So, the the answers are always there, and yeah. really, um, you know, through psychology and also through just consulting, right. uh, my philosophy is is very much that the answers are already there. When yeah. I come in, I'm not coming in because I have all the answers. Yeah. It's because I'm able to help people peel back and and um and, and find the answers that that are inside. One of my favorite techniques is the five whys. Mm -hmm. where somebody says something as a, as a problem or an explanation for something and you just keep asking why, why? yeah um, you know and that's something that you can pick up from any two-year-old thing right. <laughs> right? right I mean why? I've got I've got a yeah. two-year-old at home that does that you know yeah. the, the, she's an expert with the five whys although I think she thinks it's the 50 whys so yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but but the it's, it's about going in and finding the answers that are already there and sometimes right. when you are within the organization um, it's hard to have that trust and to have that process mm -hmm. and to have the understanding of how to um, sort of sift through everything and get those answers. And for individuals, it's hard to sift through everything to really know what you know. Mm -hmm. um, it, sometimes you need a third party to sort of come in. Yeah, and, and I totally get that. Is is that, you know, you might, the answer might be there, but you don't see it. It's like you're, you're in the forest to need somebody to come in from outside the forest and right. just help guide you a little bit or, you know, dissect it, help you dissect it so that yes. you can uncover that answer that you're looking for or a solution right. or whatever. Right. Absolutely. And then once you, once you do that, then what happens? <laughs> then once you, <laughs> once you have the answers, it's, it's really interesting because once you have the answers now, um, people need to be receptive to those answers. Mm -hmm. And a lot of times um, within management, there's a lot of insecurity mm -hmm. uh, mixed with a lot of um, a, sort of this belief that it's, it's almost like um, uh, that people don't like giving up control. Right. right? And so if it, when somebody external from you comes in and starts telling you what the issues are in your company, Mm -hmm. um, you are naturally going to be very defensive. Right. Um, so uh, it's, it's that in itself is a, is a real um, process to give mm -hmm. feedback in a way where it's not rejected, but welcomed. Mm -hmm. um, there is an art and a science to that. And yeah. so it's about painting this picture and empowering people in moments where if it was delivered in a different way, they feel like the power was being stripped from them. Right. Right. Yeah. So what do you think are some great success stories you've had? Give us a couple of success stories you've had. Yeah. So um, one of my favorites is um, an organization that came to me and the presenting problem was that everybody seemed like uh, 
um, overwhelmingly, they were um, uh, conflict avoiders, mm -hmm. right? So the presenting problem, um, people don't deal with things when there were interpersonal conflicts and such. And so they let it grow and grow and grow until it blows up and you literally have people getting in arguments, get, getting in fights, and then like exiting the organization even, right? right? Um, going in, like I always, I, whenever I go, <laughs> go into a situation like this, I always say, okay, um, the first X amount of days, typically 30 days are gonna be discovery. And a right. lot of times I get pushback where it's like, what do you need to discover? I just told you what the problem is. <laughs> and, and I have to explain, you, you told me yeah. your perspective on the problem. Let me yeah. go gather other perspectives on the problem and see what's actually happening. And this case was really interesting because what, what happened was um, uh, when asking people what was going on, you know, in, in this situation and, and doing some conflict model uh, testing, what we found was that people were not overwhelmingly conflict avoiders. When we dove a little bit deeper, what we found was that people would have conflicts, which is mm -hmm. good, by the way, to have yeah. conflicts. Um, uh, you know, um, certainly if you disagree on things, you should feel comfortable to sort of argue that out. That's a, mm -hmm. that's a healthy organization is able to do that as long as people don't then start taking it personal. Um, but these conflicts were happening, but when things could not be resolved for whatever reason, uh, what these employees explained to me was that uh, it would get to the point where it couldn't be resolved, and, but they would never take it to their boss because their boss was a conflict avoider and would never take <laughs> care of it. So my client, the one who hired me, saw the problem, but he didn't view it through a mirror, which right. is hard to do, right? Yeah. So, um, so I, helped, I helped lift that mirror for him. Mm -hmm. um, and, and help them see, help them see what that, what that looked like. Right. Um, but typically it's, it's about people coming to, um, see the picture that they were too blind to see because it was in their blind spot because it right. was too close, uh, because people, which one of his employees was going to approach him, no matter the fact that he had an open door policy, yada, 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 who was going to approach this guy yeah. and say, Listen, man, we come to you and don't take care of problems. You know, it's You're not the good problem. To to boss with that. Yeah. Uh, so, right. So, so that's so that's an issue. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's always the person. You're the issue. <laughs> right. 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 That's why the employees don't want to go to the boss, right? <laughs> yeah. Exactly. And and what I find often is that um, in really unhealthy organizations, uh, which sometimes I find myself in, um, uh, there is mutual disdain mm -hmm. um, going up the chain and going down the chain right um, in healthier organizations um, there are typically trust issues and they typically do go both ways and these are in healthier organizations right but there there's very often in us and a them there's multiple teams there's the management team and the employee team and I don't think I don't think that that is so necessary within an organization I think trust can be built um, but uh, we over rely on our job titles and mm. and and uh, and clinging on to that that sense of sense of control that right. needs control and, and that's what's unhealthy. Yeah, yeah. I guess maybe because if you don't have any control in your own life, you know, you have to hang on to somewhere else, somewhere, somewhere. Yeah. Something's got to pay. <laughs> right, right. I also think it's, it's, you know it's also what we how we view leadership in this country, right? Right. So, Leadership is a promotion from frontline uh, employment, right? right? So you start 
times and you're the best salesperson on the team. And so you become the sales manager. Why? Why? So the best salesperson on the team is going to be a good sales manager. How do you know? What are the knowledge, skills, and abilities that are associated Mm -hmm. with being the best salesperson on your team? Maybe uh, it's things like independence and competitiveness and, and thirst for the sale, right? Like, you know, aggressiveness to go out and get the sale and and maybe you're a good talker whatever right what makes a great sales manager within that organization it could be the exact opposite it could be somebody who's collaborative and a team player and a listener but instead we we it's the peter principle we take the the best salesperson and we promote them to be the worst manager so now (laughs) we're out our best salesperson and we've now inherited our worst manager and, and part of this issue is that when you get to management, there's, there's rarely enough training in what it means to be a manager. Um, and it really needs to be not just skills, it's the attitudes that come along with management because it's very insecure because the way you're noticed when you're on the front line is to be the performer, to be the star of the show. You're making things happen. Right. When you get to management, it's about taking your hands off. It's about not being in the spotlight. It's about controlling the spotlight. Right. It's about being a servant to those who work for you um, mm-hmm. and, and, and really trying to highlight all of their efforts and remove all of their obstacles. So it, it's kind of counterintuitive uh, compared to what we think of as, as a leader. Right, right. And of course, a lot of times we're put in those roles and we're not trained, right? Yeah. We're just, yeah. We're just going along with what we know. Right, we'll figure it out because it's leadership, it's natural. <laughs> yeah. And everybody likes to think of themselves as, as a great leader because we don't think of it as a skill set. Right. Leadership used to be, uh, one, of the, one of the first um, theories of leadership was called the great man theory, which happened to also describe white male generals, right? right? And, and that these are the skills that these people have. And by the way, these skills are innate. People yeah. are born with these skills. Right. right. So there are born leaders. You've heard the expression born leaders. Yeah. So that got really complicated when organizations started to change, when demographics started to change. And so if that's what a great leader looks like, then if we promote a woman to leadership or hire a woman into leadership, does she need to look like that? <laughs> right? Or can she do it in her way? Yeah. And what about, what about your minority group, right? Can they lead? Because they might not have the same characteristics. That individual might not have the same characteristics that more people from this group who mm-hmm. sort of define what leadership was originally um, right. uh, in this culture look like. So uh, there's so many, so many different issues with that idea of leadership. And, and what's beautiful is that we've been learning how much leadership can be trained and also mm-hmm. how much leadership is really about taking your hands off the wheel mm-hmm. and trusting your people and empowering them and being there for them. Yeah, kind of reminds me what you were doing with the ice cream at shop. Yeah, yeah, right. It's definitely about empowering the people and giving them vision and mission and, and, really, and really letting them run with it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So you didn't really have to run it because they ran it already. <laughs> Yeah, so one, one of my favorite stories, one of my favorite stories, and this is about um, taking culture and making it part of your organization, your values part of your organization. Right. Um, there was a day when I was, could not be reached by phone. I was mm-hmm. out, did not have my phone on me, nothing. This was back in the olden days when you could yeah. not have 
And I had a customer come into the store and he had parked next door to us in a parking lot next door to us. And our store was in the city. Parking is not great there. Yeah. And so this one grocery store that was like right attached to us had a big parking lot, but they understood the value of the parking lot. So they had a bunch of tow trucks that would sit at the ends, wait for somebody to park there and walk off into our shopping center and then yeah. tow their car. We had a customer come in to pick up a birthday cake uh, for his grandmother. Her mm -hmm. birthday party was starting. He's running in real quick. He had to get whatever else he needed from the Safeway, from the, from the grocery store right across the way. So he runs into the grocery store, runs over to us, gets the cake written on. It's beautiful. It was a custom cake. Um, we put it in a paper bag. My employee puts it in a paper bag. Mm -hmm. And he goes out and he walks to where he left his car. And it's not there. And so he's looking around. In the meantime, it starts heavy raining. Yeah. And the rain starts soaking up the bag. And as he's looking for his car and slowly recognizing that it had been towed, the cake breaks through the bottom of the bag and splatters. In the uh. So he comes into the store and he talks to my shift manager who happened to be there. And he says, I know you can't give me a new one, but is it possible to just make me like write on a cake for me or something? Like, what can you do? I know this is my fault. I'm not asking for anything. And so what did she do? She grabbed a cake from our cake freezer, wrote on it, happy birthday, grandma, whatever the original message was, didn't charge him a cent. She then jumped over the counter, had the guy get in her car, yeah. and she drove him to his grandmother's birthday party. Wow. What the heck is that? This is yeah. a minimum wage shift leader, not a manager, yeah. a shift leader. Mm -hmm. And I think she was like 17 at the time. So afterwards, believe me, I yelled at her about putting a stranger in her car. But the yeah. point is, wow, she lived the culture because I understood it's not my culture. It's not my values. It's our values. And, right. and that starts with selection. You mm -hmm. need to hire people who share those values already mm -hmm. and, and be, continues with training and development and continues with everything else that you can do to help build the culture of your organization. With us, we would go on volunteer missions all the time as an ice cream shop. We'd right. go volunteer with uh, people experiencing homelessness. With um, We had an annual dance party with over 100 people uh, with developmental disabilities. Um, we did all of these things and left the ice cream at home most of the time because it was so important for me that they understood that we were there to make Baltimore a better place. Right. And ice cream was a tool and that is it. Ice cream, just like a stethoscope, is not what the doctor does. It's what yeah. he uses as a tool. Ice cream was our tool for spreading happiness in Baltimore, but it was not who we were or what we were. Right, right. I think you should go back to doing ice cream and building the culture in Baltimore. They need some help. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and we had an impact. Yeah, absolutely. So, it's, you get so excited about it. I'm going like, yeah, you should go back there and I'll bring my, I'll bring my pies and you can do your ice cream and let's go do it. Sounds nice. like fun to me. I like the partnership. <laughs> yeah, great. So tell me, we just got a couple of more minutes and to close off. So tell me, um, uh, how they can get a hold of you and who do you like to work with and sure yeah. so um you, anybody can reach out to me my website is www.illuminatepmc.com it's mm -hmm. a big one i don't know if you have the opportunity to put it on there or whatnot yeah but, um, be on your page yeah 
So um, on, they can also, I love having conversations on LinkedIn. Um, mm. I'm a bit of a LinkedIn junkie. So linkedin.com slash IN slash David Shar or just search David Shar on LinkedIn and you'll find me there. Um, and, and we can talk. So I, I, the three services I, I provide are speaking, tra- which oftentimes mm-hmm. is virtual nowadays. Um, training also is virtual a lot nowadays. And um, full-scale consulting, which yeah. can be virtual as well sometimes. <laughs> um, but uh, anybody who's yeah. looking to um, figure out how to change their culture, because change is incredibly difficult and culture is, in, is incredibly gooey. And so yeah. that makes it doubly hard to figure out how to impact that right. um, without, without um, turning their organization upside down. And it's very small incremental changes that tend to have very large and lasting impacts. Right, right. Great. Well, I've loved having you on my podcast. We'll have to do it again soon. And uh, yeah, so you can find David at podcast.hardatworkonline.org. And uh, he'll have a post there. You can find all his information and you can rewatch the video there. And um, anyway, in the meantime, I'm just going to say Black Lives Matter and um, please be kind to each other. That's all we got. So um, do your best. And uh, if with that, I'm just going to say goodbye and uh, we'll chat with you all very soon. Okay. Thank Thank you you so much. Okay. You're welcome. Bye-bye.